wow, this was unusual. I don't do this very often, but I did it. I didn't, it didn't kill me. It was actually kind of fun. I met some new people and we won. And we won. Looking back in retrospect, I'm like, I wish I would have had a graphic designer. Like, but the thing is, like, it was so that that was Ipsy, you know, like it, Ipsy is so DIY, like Ipsy is so like community centered like that. So that was really cool. And like we have people from all over. Hi there. My name is Shoshana and I'm a librarian at the Ypsilanti District Library. Welcome to the library's podcast, Ipsy Stories. Ipsy Stories is a podcast about the history of Ypsilanti told in story form by historians, academics, community members, and local experts. This podcast seeks to unearth stories and perspectives that may be new to you and are often unheard. Our hope is that by listening to these episodes, you'll gain better understanding of our collective past, present, and future. views expressed by each guest are their own and do not represent the views of the library. In this season's episode, we learn about the history of the 2014 campaign to expand public transportation in Ypsilanti, the state of public transportation then and now, and the power that this work had in terms of connecting the community through movement organizing. We'll be speaking with some of those involved in the 2014 campaign, including Marta Valadez, Jillian Reem Gainsley, Tad Weiser, and Kathy Ball. Marta Valadez, she, they, has managed campaigns to connect urban and rural communities with better transportation infrastructure and deportation campaigns and built coalitions to secure policy wins at the city and county level. Marta has organized with families living in SRO hotels in San Francisco as well as unhoused Oakland, California residents, and managed a campaign for progressive mechanical trade unions in the South Bay area of San Francisco. Marta has worked with IBEW Local 583 as an apprentice electrician and currently works as a National Jobs with Justice senior organizer, where they currently support campaigns in the construction sector and other efforts for expanded bargaining and workers' governance. Marta is active with the News Guild Abortion Access and Healthcare Autonomy Working Group and is a steward for their union in the nonprofit sector. There's the first voice you'll hear answering the first question. Jillian Gainsley is the Director of Strategic Planning at Detroit Public Television and a member of the Ypsilanti Community School Board. She is dedicated to community services formerly serving on the AAATA board and working at the Ypsilanti District Library. She lives in Ypsilanti with her family. Hers is the second voice you'll hear answering the first question. Kathy Mayer lives in Gross Point Park, Michigan. She is a substitute teacher and a classical singer. Kathy is an advocate for public transportation and has been involved with the Citizens Advisory Committee of the Regional Transit Authority of Southeastern Michigan as well as with the More Buses, More Places, More Often campaign in Washtenaw County in 2014. Hers is the third voice you'll hear answering the first question. Tad Weiser is a long-term resident of eastern Washtenaw County and a daily bus rider during his years of commuting to work at the EPA National Lab in Ann Arbor. He is lead organizer with Washtenaw Regional Organizing Coalition, WEROC which is the local affiliate of the National Gamaliel Network of Community Organizing Projects, which brings new local faith, labor, and community leaders 
into active participation in decisions that affect them through grassroots action campaigns on issues like improved transit. He is also on the executive board of the local Huron Valley Area Labor Federation, AFL-CIO. His is the fourth voice you'll hear answering the third question, if you count me answering my own question as a voice. What was the More Buses campaign, and what did the Ypsilanti Front look like? The More Buses campaign really was like born after some really great conversations through um, coalition building, through Washtenaw Partners for Transit, which was an amazing initiative to bring together different groups impacted by accessing public transportation, who cared about folks who typically, you know, access public transportation, need public access to public transportation, and came together to really figure out a plan and figure out solutions to being able to be better connected as a county. I might forget some folks, so, but I remember having really great conversations um, with the NAACP, um, the Interfaith Council for Peace and Justice, Center for Independent Living, like such a diverse group of organizations, right? And the Ecology Center bringing me in to help figure out like how we can bring more resources to building out community organizing strategies to figure out the transit connectivity in our area. So from those conversations, that campaign was, and you know, also the transit center itself was really progressive and open to community input, which is very unique and very rare now seeing other places um, and other communities where there's barriers and challenges being inspired by like the LA, you know, Transit Writers Union and like just other places where there was amazing community organizing happening around transit. It was really inspiring to see like Ann Arbor area and like the Washtenaw County community trying to figure that out in that moment. And so like the campaign was more buses, more places, more often. And I love that slogan. And I thought it was so cute. And it just sounded so exciting and intense. And it was just like, really about yeah really about bringing people together who are affected by transit centering their voices and figuring out a strategy so that's my take on what the more buses campaign was really about i'll pause there folks want to add that's such a good perspective martha because i focus so much on the electoral part like we won a campaign we passed a millage and we got transit across all of these areas um but i think it is important to note that it was we were building pressure toward regional transit. And I think that the More Buses campaign started as this coalition building, this Partners for Transit group that came together to say, look, Ann Arbor's had really good transit for a long time. And, you know, the AATA started in 1969 and was fairly well-funded, but we all know that transit doesn't stop at a city line. And in order for transit to be effective, you need multiple um, jurisdictions to be part of it. And so Ypsilanti and Ypsilanti Township both became part of AATA because of that pressure and because of that activism. There was the legal moment when Ypsilanti and Ypsilanti Township actually joined the board of AATA, which was when I got to join as the first representative from Ypsilanti, which was exciting because I'd been part of the Partners for Transit work, so was able to join the board officially. And then we put that millage on the ballot so that we could fund it. Uh, because, you know, we had representation on the board, but without the funding, we weren't able to, you know, to make the more buses, more places more often happen. So it was kind of amazing to see that coalition push all the way toward getting the structure created so that this could happen and then getting the funding. And then I think really continuing because, you know, we went into the RTA millage, we went into, you know, additional transit activism. And it was, you know, because those folks came together, this disparate coalition to make it happen. Yeah. And, it, and to me, with your, what you're also saying, Jillian, thank you for that like historical remembering um, is that, yeah, like I remember going to the bus stops and just talking to people. And I don't remember exactly how I met Kathy, but it was really important to me to be like really talk to folks who use the service, who were dependent on it, who were going to work or couldn't drive themselves. And they were dependent on transit or making the choice to get around that way through public transportation. And like just talking to people in Ypsilanti and like the youth that I used to work with on immigrant rights, like they use the bus to go to the movies, you know, and like they were wanted to be independent from their parents. And like they were volunteering with us on getting like signatures and just helping to sign people up to be involved and volunteer. So to me, it was really important that the community centeredness and like, yeah, like I'm curious to hear like Kathy's take on like what more buses meant to you and what was it about? 
Yeah. Okay. So what happened was, I think it was like March of 2014. I forget how I heard about it, but there was like this League of Women Voters meeting at the library downtown. So I was like, what's this going on about expanding the transit? And I lived in Ipsy at the time. It was my first year living out that way. And I lived about a block from the bus terminal. I thought the service for the most part was pretty good because I lived on the four, five, six, and three. But Sunday service was really bad. And I thought something could be improved with this, that the buses could run later. And I lived up in Northeast Ann Arbor and I used to ride the two. And the two service was okay. It ran like every half hour. But at night, at night, even on weeknights, it only like ran one direction. So I had to cross the street and crossing Green Road was a little nerve wracking at times. And because of the experience I had, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. So I went online, I think, to the More Buses campaign and I got involved. I'm not sure how I re- met you, Martha. I'm trying to remember. Maybe from a More Buses event. I might have come over to the Ecology Center. I don't remember why I was over there, but I remember that's kind of how I got involved. And I did a video for more buses, more places, more often. And if you remember Carolyn Growie, she was involved in that too. She's no longer at the end and ever center for independent living, but she was there. Like me, she's, she's legally blind. So that's kind of how I got involved. Yeah. And one more thing too, that I remember I was really inspired and like really, cause you know, I got to see both worlds and I went to the university in Ann Arbor, but I lived in Ypsilanti and my community was a lot of the community I work with. The immigrant community was in Ann Arbor, in, like Ipsy, Ipsy township. And so like, to me, the outskirts of Ann Arbor, like it was really important for that connectivity. The campaign really meant like we were building something in a bigger way for Ypsilanti. It, it was like, you could say like a sh- investment, that folks who could invest like taxpayers were willing to um, put into as a resource, a community resource, and that it was for Ipsy people and Ann Arbor people, like for the Washtenaw County really to own that. And that was really exciting to me. And I thought if we can make this happen and we can increase more services, like they're not silos, like these communities are heavily interconnected, like working class service workers come from these outskirts. And it's really important for folks to be able to to have a resource like this. And so that was really exciting for me is that interconnectivity of it, the meaning deeper beyond just like, oh, we're getting more buses, but like the sense of place, like placemaking and like community was really an important thing to me. So, and it was, you know, a really, one of the first times I did something outside of immigration and immigrant rights. So uh, I was just like doing everything. Like I was like, I don't know, I've never done a millage campaign. So we were just making it up. The flyers were very DIY, like, you know, we were making do with what we had and how best we could do it. And that was really fun to me about the campaign. So I'm sure you'll ask more questions about that, but I just wanted to name that specific. And we'll talk about that because it was complexity when we talk about opposition. So what were public transportation conditions like at the time of the campaign? And what was public transportation like historically in Ypsilanti? Okay, I'll speak up. So I kind of gave a little insight into it that the Sunday service was pretty bad. And even on Sunday, there were like no buses at all in parts of Ipsy. It was like only like during the week that certain routes ran to parts of Ipsy. Like, the, you know, if you remember the 10 and the 11, there wasn't even a bus that went to the Ypsilanti library. And they, part of the, one of the campaign promises was to bring that bus back that would go to the library. They got rid of that route. And even in Ann Arbor, just the Sunday service, just weekend service, like all the buses stopped running like after six o'clock on Saturdays. And Saturday is like the only day that people have to do errands. And even if they work Saturdays, they need the evening to get things done. So the service was the best during the week, but on weekends, the service wasn't that great. And that was kind of why we needed this campaign. Just just like the Ann Arbor... Ipsy service was good. Well, the Ann Arbor service was better, but there were routes that went into Ipsy, but on the weekends, they didn't even go all the way out to the Ipsy Transit Center. Like the five only went as far as like Meyer on Sundays. And as I said earlier, the 10, the 11, I forget which routes there now, but they didn't even run on the weekends at all. And now they run like on Sundays. 
they're under different numbers, but service in Ipsy was pretty limited. And Ann Arbor gets more expensive to live. So people are moving out to those areas where there wasn't service because it was just cheaper to live. So the cost of living was a big factor. Anything else you want to say, Marta? No, I think it, that's right. I think also something you just reminded me of that I didn't know when I you know, started a transit organizing. I don't know the remember exactly, but maybe y'all will be able to help me. But the transit choice versus transit, like, I don't want to say dependent, but. That's what it was. When so I talked to it. the guy, they said choice riders and transit dependent. Exactly. And I think that was really important for uh, me to really understand. You know, I study social work. So like understanding power and privilege and like access, like who's really benefiting and who's still being left out, even with this win. Right. There's still working class folks. Who are we centering when we talk about this? Like there's the whole, you know, you know, students, like who are we catering to when we're designing public transit? And um, so I just remember like one of the gaps too for like university students and stuff like that was like the late, late, right? Like, and being able to go to the bars and the clubs and that sort of thing. So, but like, to me, like, yeah, just keeping that in mind, right? Like, you know, and I know like, I remember like churches and faith-based groups wanting to make sure like their members were able to access early service and things like their church service and things like that. So just thinking about that, I remember that was, those were some of the themes that came up as well. I guess I, I feel like I'm, my role is to offer the transit nerd perspective here, but uh, I like that part. But I, I think it's really interesting to hear Kathy's, you know, user perspective because of the, the reasons that that was happening is that the transit service, the, the way that transit service was funded prior to the millage was very piecemeal. And so Ipsy had their own, they, they had their own millage where they would basically buy service from AATA. Um, which gave the city quite a lot of control over saying, okay, we need this route, we need this service over here, but oh, well, we can't afford it on the weekend, so we'll just stop here. And then the library route was when the library was built, Ipsy Township paid for that route over a certain period of time. And then the funding stopped, so the route stopped. And so with the millage, and, and especially with the two other municipalities, with Ipsy and Ipsy Township becoming an official part of the region and the zone, it allowed us to, I say us still, I'm not on the board anymore, but it allowed AATA to really plan ahead and strategically make routes and think about the whole area as a region and how to serve, how to serve the entire area. And so, yeah, it just, it really, it changes the calculus on like what that looks like on the ground. What were transit issues specific to Ypsilanti and what areas of Ypsilanti were most in need of service? The South Side you know, those 10 and 11 routes that you referenced earlier are the south side of the city, which, you know, is the more African-American area of the city. That area was not being served as well just because of the funding limitations. But I just think it's interesting then and now, you know, during COVID, fast forward seven years, and during COVID, that area ended up getting cut again. <laughs> um, there, you know, there was, there was a reduction there. And I know that it was, you know, there were reductions across the city, but I think that that was an area where that reduction, because, you know, a lot of folks depend on the, on transit there, that reduction was felt really hard. And it really drove home, you know, we were able to improve that transit so much, and then kind of brought it back to where it had been in pre-expansion levels. And it was just so obvious how, how needed this investment was. And thankfully, again, the ride listened and restored that, that service early, but it, it just drove home what a difference it made and how many people were really you know, using and taking advantage of that, those routes. I know we were talking about the actual service, but I think one thing to note is also like the sense of inclusion in the, the, what the campaign really provided was also an opportunity for insight, input, and awareness. It really created a community participatory process to bring in folks who usually don't have a voice or a say, like I'm fast forwarding to the wind, but when I looked around the room and saw like, we had folks who were like from different places, different paces of life, just the demographic of people who were there celebrating, you know, like it was just so dope. Like we had volunteers who were like, they lived in a punk house, like in Ypsilanti and they were like really cool raddies and we would get donuts and like go do outreach to like door knock or phone banking, you know, like it just was so diverse and it really brought that sense of like, we're really bringing different communities together and we're really creating a process. And so I think that for me, that was really, really impactful too. Like the community 
inclusion of the campaign and the win was really exciting. That's a really good point. And I think that that also started way before because, you know, it's easy to talk about it as like, oh, we passed the millage and then we had money and then transit got better. But like, that's actually not what happened before we passed the millage. There was all this community input that went into that five-year transit plan. And that was the most, it was the biggest change that the ride had made in 40 years. They had hundreds of meetings. They were in church basements and they were, you know, talking to people who were at at the transit center. And like, it was a huge, huge, huge community engagement plan to hear everybody's feedback and put it in the plan before it even went to the ballot. So I think that was very intentional, but it, it was necessary and it paid off. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was tokenizing or like paternalistic. It very was much coalition came together and said, like, we, this is what our community wants this is our community needs. Like, I remember Kathy, like Kathy would never hold back. I remember people would show up and had to say about really what it was and wouldn't just take whatever was on the table. Like we really had an opinion. We really understood what they were proposing. And so that was really exciting to me. Yeah. And like, it's not the same in a lot of places. And so to see that happening with the actual like service, you know, AATA. Or is it AAATA? Yeah, I remember <laughs> that change. But yeah, like that was really important also, like not just like community, but like their openness about the stakeholder meetings and that feeling that it wasn't just, it wasn't, they weren't just checking the box. Oh, we got community input. It really was people's voices were taken into consideration. Yeah, it was fun to talk to people during the campaign because everyone got really, you know, we had that map of what transit, like here's what transit looks like now here's what it's going to look like. And it was fun to talk to people about it because they were like, see this little line right here? That's why I'm voting for this. It's like this little teeny part of this impacts me and is going to change how my life works. And, you know, and it is going to give me new opportunities. And like, I remember I had a specific story like that. Like my car, we had a really deep freeze and my car battery died. And there wasn't transit on the east side of Ypsilanti where I live, where Shoshana lives um, at that time. And so, you know, I walked all the way, or I think I took a cab. That's what it was. It was like a mile in deep snow. And I took a cab and it was more, that one cab ride was as much as I would have paid in the millage per year. And so, yeah, it was just so obvious. Like here, I just need this little line and then, and then I'll be all set. I'll be able to take the bus to work. Yeah. I I mean, I remember like doing some of the things like bringing up Whitaker Road and service being there. And, and I remember like, I, when I was like canvassing, I remember mentioning to people like, you can go to that Kroger's, you can go to the library on Sunday if you want to. I remember that made a big difference to people who I was knocking on doors and talking to. I always wanted to do this stuff in Dipsy. And so I guess I put in a little bit of an answer to my own question. That's okay though. Well, it's worth noting that Shoshana was also part of this campaign in a big way. And in fact, I believe the quote on the on the poster in the literature was Shoshana talking about how important it was to be able to get to the library. So, yes, <laughs> it was on the door hanger. There were three different quotes and I was the, the last quote. But yes. Oh. And there is a photo of me. Hi, Tad. Oh, Tad is here. Glad to have you. It's actually really great that you got here for this question because it made me think about like we rock as well. What kind of partnerships slash coalitions was the campaign able to put together? That's what I mentioned earlier. I mean, I think it was so rad that we had so many groups from different places, you know, like I just was like so hungry in this campaign and I just wanted to bring everybody I knew in because I thought it was so exciting. I just believe that transit affects us all and all groups in our community. And so like, I just was like, bring them all in, everybody, you know, from like, like I mentioned, NAACP, you know, like with Shoshana De Maria, like she was just so lovely and like brought her people in. Like Tad is just so connected to everyone. Like he was able to, you know, to just be involved in, and, you know, I met Tad on the bus. <laughs> and oh, so, that's right. you know, like organizing was happening on the buses and that's how important it is. Like you build and you build community on in the transit systems. Right. And like Center for Independent Living, like all their, their members, I would go to their communities and like, the reality, like some folks lived in like low income housing and like, you know, depended on this service to like get around and like get to their, their appointments. It was so important, like for the diversity of groups to come together from different class, different race, different religions, 
it was just so powerful, like to really like create a space for those communities to come together and actions. Tad, maybe you want to say more, but I thought that was important and like really exciting to see like youth organizing, um, faith-based organizing, like economic justice happening all in the same space at the same time on for more buses, more places more often, you know? Yeah, thanks for Martha. That Martha, that was getting me thinking about this. But yeah, that's what was what was neat about for you know, We Rock had developed into being a group of congregations and, and unions that were recognizing the disparity between the eastern side of Washtenaw County and the other side. And this just made it so visible on the one hand that, well, really, there are that many, that much distinction in the services. But at the same time, there's this motion here toward filling some of that gap. And definitely, there's going to be more buses, more places. And that, like you were saying, Marte, was a way to pull a lot of different people together. And the proof to me ultimately was that it passed so big in every part of the county, including many parts of the county that will never see a bus or never use the service. But it was just saying that was people in the county were recognizing this is good for me if everybody who needs to get around can get around. And it kind of blew all of our expectations, I think, how, how well it did, right? And so as an organizing tool for us in our organization, it helped us, like you were saying, you know, pull together with other organizations, but also helped us within WeRock build relationships. You know, it was an excuse to do something together and to have something really positive and then have really positive results is exactly the kind of thing that I wish we could create all the time, because that's what really brings people together and keeps them together. That, wow, this was unusual. I don't do this very often, but I did it. I didn't, it didn't kill me. It was actually kind of fun. I met some new people and we won. And we won. Tad, I was hoping that for posterity, if you could say a little more about We Rock, because I think the faith plus labor you know, the faith-based organizations and labor organizations was just such a unique partnership. And this was kind of WeRock's first big campaign. So I just was wondering if you could talk a little more about how that came about. You know, WeRock is connected to the Moses organization in the, the metro area and part of the national Gamaliel network of congregation-based organizations mostly, but WeRock had uh, experimented with having union locals also be a part of it. So in this campaign, it, that worked out that the overlap, we had labor leaders in the community that were owning the campaign too. So, you know, our organizing model is to, to bring together existing institutions, individuals too, but existing institutions and, and have, that don't normally feel like they overlap very much, but then finding out, well, we all want to do that, don't we? Well, I'll learn more about you as we go along, but uh, in the meantime, let's all focus in that direction instead of on each other and our differences and, and all that. And so that's why, you know, it was such a particularly good campaign because there weren't too many directions you could come into it that put you on the opponent's side. So the local unions and the congregations became more, you know, more of a thing by taking action. That's sort of our, our methodology is don't talk about being together, get into action, even if you don't feel like you're ready, but do it. And then, you know, in the process, make sure there's enough communication and sharing and relationship building, you end up with something bigger and better for doing it, win or lose even better if you win. I was going to just say one more thing that I was, as you were talking about, I was remembering just like actually the outreach we were doing. And like, I remember also like, I think there's just a lot of groups sometimes that you don't really traditionally organize on the same issues on. And I think transit really brought that opportunity for like us to really invite people in and come together as a community. And I was just forgetting that also, like, I think it's the ozone house. Is that what that's for queer kids and like youth who are unhoused? They were like mm -hmm. involved and like signed on, right? And like also remembering the unhoused folks, like Ground Cover News, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
they were also involved like their agencies and organizations got them public transit tokens like everybody really was involved and you brought people from like different circles like in terms of class political stance and like positionality in society that I thought that was really cool and I was just remembering you know hearing stories when we were like doing the outreach about like really what transit really meant for a lot of people you know and the, and the increase in service it's such a great point and I, I would add to that that there were institutions and organizations and businesses too like there were business leaders that contributed to the campaign and there were institutions that never would get involved in advocacy on any other issue like our library board passed a resolution in favor of this, um, you know, the Ypsilanti Library Board, Pat, and they, that is not a thing they do. They don't advocate mm-hmm. for things, but it was so clear that it was important to their patrons and there was a route going to the library and it was it was really essential to them. So we saw a lot of those organizations that, that aren't activists, but that really felt this was important. What do the letters We Rock stand for? Don't look too close at the acronym, but it's Washtenaw Regional Organizing Coalition. So the week, the E kind of cheating in there. And again, uh, a part of this national organizing network. Was there opposition to the More Buses campaign? And what did it look like? I'm ready to jump um, that, on this one. If that's okay. Well, uh, it all are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Um, I, I, yeah, go, Kathy. Yeah, go, Kathy. Go, Kathy. Okay. So there was... But the thing about it, it wasn't that organized. Like they didn't really have enough organization to really be a real threat. I mean, it's hard. It's already hard to pass a millage and it's hard to win a campaign without any organized opposition. So the fact that this campaign did have organized opposition and we still won by a lot was actually quite impressive. Um, But the biggest voices on the opposition side, um, Ted Annis, and I think Kathy, that this was the might have been the League of Women Voters meeting you were at was where Jeff Irwin and I um, and Ted Annis and one other person whose name I don't remember did a forum, public forum for and against transit. So there, you know, there was the the against side. um, And then Kathy Griswold, I think, was the treasurer of that campaign. Um, So it was actually an organized campaign. They had signs. They were pushing against it. What I thought was interesting, though, is that prior to this campaign starting, um, the ride had done some polling. And the ride had something like a 94% approval rating going into this. People were really, really happy with their transit. And so being against transit in a place where it was already really successful was kind of a hard argument to make. And the main argument that the opposition campaign was making was, we like transit, but we think that you could just find some more efficiencies. You don't really need any more money. You know, we were able to say, no, 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 but we have a really detailed plan to show exactly what we're going to do with that funding. There was a really fun soundbite from that campaign where, where, you know, we had gotten far down it. Maybe Shoshana, you can find it because I think this is still on YouTube. But, and Ted Annis had started to say, people were like, no, but I like transit, but I like transit. And he, he gave this whole speech about like, no, but transit's really important. And here's why transit's important. And the moderator said, okay, well, do you guys have any response to that? And Jeff and I were like, no, we're, we're good. He, he said what we wanted to say. Transit is important. We all agree on that. It's a very funny forum. Yeah, you reminded me too, like the electeds. I think it's important to name the electeds who really stepped in and, and really spoke up. And I think to say like I started ground zero, I didn't know anything like I was very community centered in my work. And that really was like impacted community centered. And so like reaching out to like Brian Robb and Pete Murdoch, rest in peace, like rest in power. Like those folks really like helped me. I'm not from here. I was never around and did any of this other work. And like the work I did was very specific with the immigrant community. So like naming those folks and like Yusuf Robbie, like these folks just really had a clear picture of what was the, how these things impact people of color, working class folks. And it was really awesome to just talk with them and get their support. Lois Richardson too. I remember having conversations with her. And so um, I would add uh, Alma Wheeler Smith, who had was not representative anymore, but she was on the RTA board. And yeah, she was really involved at the time too. I'm trying to remember county officials. I, I The names don't come to me, but I know we had a lot of progressive electeds during that time who were really helpful in a lot of ways to move the move the message at a higher level. And so just naming that too. Can I say something one more? 
you know, I think the meeting actually I was at was the AATA board meeting where they officially approved the campaign that the more buses would be on the ballot. They officially approved that the military, there was going to be an election. I think that's the that's the meeting I attended. I think it was the AATA board. Just want to add that. And I think we had done so much. I, I forgot we were talking about the opposition that I got. Re- I was remembering all the like important people, champions who were helping lead it. But I, I remember we had done so much community level. There was just so much drive, so much passion, so much that like anything that threatened or anyone who threatened it, it was like, what are you talking about? Like, it's outlandish. Like, what are you saying? Sometimes I would feel because they would use the point that like, taxes were high they already were trying to just like some people would say like we're just trying to keep our house like I would feel for that but it was one I heard in a very like Ann Arbor is one of the wealthiest places I come from California and it was really a culture shock I'd never been there there was million dollar homes and like I had to go to a meeting in one of those million dollar homes at like a community meeting and when I heard the worries and the concerns I was sitting and like I was an outsider and it made me really uncomfortable sitting and hearing what people were saying that was very racialized. It was very like fear centered, fear centric, and very like our community, very elite and gatekeeping. Right. And there was one statement that was made in one of the meetings about like fear that people would come and like create crime and robbery. And I just thought it was so silly. And I'm like, what the heck? How are people going to just like rob you and bring all their things on the bus? Like, I don't see how that's actually (laughs) a thing, you know? And I just remember hearing those statements and it just gave me more fire and more fuel in my belly to like do this work. And, and I would just, when we won, it was just, that was gratifying. Like it was like, I don't want to say everyone had those sentiments that was opposition, but that was like, okay, this is out of control. Like the greater impact, you know, really sat with me more than like those few that I heard the, their woes about what they were upset about if this passed. So I think that the opposition to our success in this campaign changed the tone of a lot of the elected officials. I'm trying to remember, I don't think that there were any local local elected officials that came out as being against it, but we had asked, not we, the campaign was asking all the elected officials to sign on and endorse. And there were some that weren't going to offer an endorsement. After it passed, the next city council elections that happened after the transit millage passed, there was not a single person that wasn't going to offer an endorsement. And in fact, some of those people who were questioning in the first, you know, in the first campaign were the first ones to come and sign on, you know, to the renewal. They, they wanted to be on record as supporting transit. So it works both ways. What was the outcome of the campaign in the election? And how did that change the public transportation landscape of Ypsilanti? It was a big win. And there was more bus service in Ipsy than there had been before. It was kind of in phases. Like it didn't happen all at once, but kind of started. It was like a phase one, phase two, phase three. I know the biggest change was August 15 when there was more Saturday service. Like in the evening, I think that was a big dramatic change. Yeah. So I just looked up the number. It was 70.6%. So 70% is what we, what we won with, which was amazing. And it still feels good right now. It still feels good. The transit was phased partly because I learned it takes 18 months to order and purchase a bus. So we couldn't just, you know, buy a bunch of buses the next day. There was a phasing, um, but there were a few things like that route to the library was the first one to happen. So the millage passed in May, and that route to the library started in August. And so it was really fast. Um, And then the, I believe that weekend service, and then also some of the later night service. I know that Washtenaw, the number four, if you took those like, you know, those last couple 10, 11 p.m. routes on the number four, they were packed. And so adding some more of those evening buses and weekend buses happened really quickly. Just on the win, Part, did I remember that, except for my township, Ipsy Township, every precinct won? There was one, there was one precinct in the very in, most in rural it, corner that didn't vote for everyone. And it was there. close. It was like seven was votes. Away. Yeah. <laughs> so that didn't feel like a, any bit of defeat at all, but even though it was my township. 
uh, I just remember being excited because I was riding the bus to work most days from Ipsy to Ann Arbor and just the different options. And I think that was the point, I assume it was when there were uh, a lot more buses, like eight an hour or something on Washtenaw on the four route, which meant I didn't have to look at a schedule anymore. I just could show up and even if I saw the bus disappearing, it wasn't going to be too long before there would be one. And those are the kind of things that it was fun to experience and talk to other people about. And then just living in kind of west of Depot Town in Ipsy, that was where the routes started really being possible. And, you know, and later at night and those kind of things, us and our family and others were just suddenly able to consider taking the bus because it was easier. You know, I don't ever want to ride the bus. That started going away more because people would give it a try and this isn't this isn't too bad you know if especially if I can play the schedule still you know the downside was it, it's still limited compared to Ann Arbor in the eastern part of the county in all those ways of timing and where the routes are and so everybody's closer to a bus and everybody has more than they had before but um, it sure could go further you know I think it's no doubt in anybody's mind that it's visibly better. You're absolutely right. That frequency makes all the difference in the world. About two years after that millage passed, we bought a house in downtown Ypsilanti. So we're right on Cross Street. And and my husband actually got a job in downtown Ann Arbor at that time. And we just could walk out the door at any time. And there would be a bus to Ann Arbor within five or six minutes. And so was able to just use that as this really convenient commuting option. And then you're right, in some other areas, if it's once an hour and you miss it, that's that's really inconvenient. That changes your whole day. So, you know, there's definitely still room for improvement, but it's pretty amazing how much, how, how many places are now within a, a quick walk of a stop. If I remember correctly, because mine's very blurry and I don't have the information in front of me, but like after that, like. I got to work in Sayo Township and I got to like help do a totally different, like, I think it's also important to say like the diversity, like of Washtenaw County, it's just really amazing. And the landscape, you know, is just so different. Yeah. I think when people saw Ipsy, it created a snowball effect and like really created inspiration and excitement about other connectivity opportunities. So naming, like we won that campaign too. And that, and it was like, I think, yeah, it was right after I, my memory's right. We did that one after and we won that one as well. And we were already had the same action plan already outlined and we just customized it and tailored it to SIO, but to name that, like that really created momentum and like hope for other areas to be able to be better connected to, and the county as well. Yeah. SIO and Pittsfield both were, we want in. You know, Pittsfield had 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 a purchase of service for a long time, but it made a lot of the other areas in the region, the stronger the system is, the more value there is in being part of it. SIO passed a dedicated millage. Thanks, Marta. Uh, And and I'm sure lots of other people on that. And then Pittsfield, too, had had a, you know, just a much stronger focus on it. And I think just another elected official that comes to mind, Mandy Graywall, was another great advocate there. The needs are unique in every community, you know, I mean, that was also something to highlight is like, there were a lot of folks who were needing more like door to door service, they were elderly, you know, getting to the bus stop waiting at the bus was a lot harder for them. It was just like a different community. And I remember there was a lot of specificity on what type of service they would need. The point I was making is that it really created more excitement about transit, and to get service connectivity within the area. And that like people really do commute across the county and need to get from one place to another, not just Ann Arbor, right? Like I remember hearing folks needing to get back and forth from Sayo all the way to Ipsy and just naming that like, yeah, it's not really Ann Arbor centric. It's really interconnected. What are the conditions now for Ipsy? What other transit needs are still unmet? A lot of the service was cut during COVID. And so the fact that we've been able to restore service has been really, really critical. I know that was a difficult time to go through. So I think that right now we're in a mode of recovery, but I think we also are going to need to look at how things change. 
over the next couple of years, um, you know, movement patterns have changed and how people work and when people work have changed. So I think there's going to be a period of adjustment to see what the needs are. I certainly think that there's a huge amount of value to getting that frequency, getting to that point where you've got a bus that comes every 15 minutes and you can rely on it. That's what really starts to make a difference in people's lives and really starts to change the way that the community and the neighborhood feel because it's dangerous to wait for a bus for 45 minutes. So I know in Ipsy, I don't know if the five still doesn't go all the way out to Ipsy, like on Sundays, for instance, or number 24, formerly the seven. I don't think it goes all the way out to Ipsy either, or at least it goes all the way out to Washtenaw Community College, like on the weekends. I think that's what could be improved. I don't know what it's like now because I haven't lived there since 2017, but I know those could be improved. And I know in 2016, the RTA, they tried to do a tri-county village, which did not pass. I know one of that was to include rapid transit at Washtenaw, if I remember correctly, a rapid transit, kind of more like an express bus. They didn't stop at all the stops, but like limited stops. So like more express bus going from an Arbor to Ipsy. There could be some of that, like more rapid transit. We are getting little itty bitty bits of regional transit. Um, We have the Ann Arbor, Detroit connector bus now, but the regionalism is, is really critical. And I think we're still being hurt by the fact that you still end at boundary lines. So St. Joe's Hospital is in Superior Township. The Domino's Farms campus for the University of Michigan Hospital is in Ann Arbor Township. They have more limited transit than some of the other areas. And so it's really difficult to get to those hospitals, especially on the weekend. Had had an occasion to spend a whole lot of time there recently, and it was difficult for people to come out and visit and, um, you know, just to get back and forth. And so it's, you know, and to just access that medical care. So I would really focus on those places. And then also, we already have a rail line. We already have some of these pieces. So figuring out how to operate the regional pieces that already exist or some more of those bus rapid transit routes would be huge. It would be a game changer. It was pointed out a number of times in the regional transit campaign that like right now, if you live in Ypsilanti and you don't have a car, you can only go west. You can only go to Ann Arbor. You don't have an option of going and getting a job in Detroit, in Canton, in Southfield. None of those places are accessible to you. You only can go into the one area that does have good transit and that needs to change. I remember before I left, I was doing the A2 Detroit rail organizing. You know, I believed in it and I thought it was important. When we look at other countries and other places being so well-planned, it's amazing. I always struggled with the Detroit to Ann Arbor organizing. And I mean, there's just like a legacy, right? There's a history of racism that has happened there that needs a lot more um, work. I think it's a little bit different for me to think about, like I struggled with that and I couldn't figure it out. And I got stuck. I was very passionate about transit, but I always had that tension and that conflict internally. Like, how do we build this, but also not contribute to gentrification? How do we build this, but also really continue to like learn from the history of Detroit and the metro area? So I didn't have enough time there to really understand it. But I just think it's important to name and that there's a lot of people that are rooted and have been there and have survived a lot of the history in Detroit that I think would know how to best think about that and have opinions about it. And so I always just struggled with movement, organizing and transit in the metro area. And just naming that tension is important, I think. I was just, I hadn't thought much about this, but I mean, part of this is that I haven't been on a bus in two years after doing it daily you know, and trying not to when it was essential riders only, you know, it was so good on the one hand that there was that effort by the authority to make essential workers. I mean, it wasn't all altruistic. There's always a need for people, particularly at the lower rungs of the uh, employment ladder to get around. And I'm just wondering, as conversations continue to happen, whether what we learned in a big way during COVID of just the starkness of the inequities, racial and class inequities and others already. The transit system is, it's an example of that, but also 
as we're talking about, can be an example of taking steps in the other direction. And I'm wondering if there's lessons about, okay, we really do need people to get to jobs all times a day in all parts of the county and Jillian's point about regional in other directions too. Can we learn those lessons or not just let them say, okay, we're back to the habit we were in of basically saying they'll fend for themselves. Why do I need other people to get around? And knowing that just again, getting back to how that victory happened really showed that there is some built-in general support. If we just find a way for that support to come out, that's a step forward. It's sort of not just a service for the future, but how do we look at organizing people and particularly people whose voices we're beginning to, some of us at least are beginning to try to pay more attention to, how can that be a new part of the next phases of transit? It wasn't all like, oh, we just need to sustain this economy. It wasn't, oh, we just see people in the form of an economic gain or benefit. This was really about a quality of life. This was really about interconnectedness and community and getting people to be able to access their places of worship. This was about getting people to the library for learning and growth. This was really about social impact and like community impact. And so just thinking and naming that, that like it had a really great foundation of the way that we perceived and received community and members of the community from all walks of life. That's an important thing to note that was unique in, in Washington and in Ypsilanti. And just coming back to the tension with Detroit, thinking about like outsiders versus insiders, you know, like who does the service actually benefit? Is it people wanting to go to baseball games and like get drunk and wasted? Or is it about people trying to get back and forth? Not just court town people, not just downtown people, but like Mexican town people. Like how are we really looking at it? And that's why I feel like I struggled there because it didn't feel like it was, who was it benefiting? Who was it really centering? Just naming that like Ypsilanti and Washington County, it was really not about that. It was really about getting everybody and directly impacted and folks who are historically left out, bringing them to the center of it as humans and not just as objects of capitalism or, you know, objects of like the wealthy elite gaining. So thinking about that too is important. I was just thinking how often during the campaign it was, even though it was broadly people were supportive Michigan is a very, we're a home rule state, everything's pretty fragmented. And, and there's certainly this idea, an, an important one, if I pay a tax dollar, I want it to benefit me. And there's this idea when you get into regionalism that, oh, but no, what if this dollar goes over there? And so we had to have a couple conversations about that. And one of those was that I went through in detailed spreadsheets to say, no, actually, the money is largely staying in the municipalities where it's being spent. So the idea that it's going somewhere else was false. Secondly, just talking about how much that spending and having a functional transit system does benefit you. You're concerned about being able to park or, you know, do you need to add more parking? Well, imagine if everybody, all the service workers who are working in all of the restaurants in downtown Ann Arbor had the option of taking transit instead of driving cars. That's a whole lot more effective and less, less expensive than building a parking structure. It was a conversation that we had a lot of times and that we have to keep having is to understand that broader benefit. There is like a long history of racial tensions. No one's really properly healed from that. That's what's going on. It's sad, but it's, it is what it is. I think all of this is reminding us how there really is, when we talk about avenues forward, Really, once people realize that I don't have to put other people down in order to protect my family, there is a strong sense of a lot of people, not everybody, but plenty of people who haven't been all together to be able to recognize what we saw in this campaign, that people were saying, I get it, that that person having an easier time getting to and from work helps me because the overall economy is healthier or whatever the arithmetic is with people. I think going forward, that recognizing that this isn't just a, okay, let's in Ann Arbor do something nice for those poor people over there on the other side of Carpenter Road. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, we're all in this. And now that there's the more voices that are coming from people who we haven't heard from before, 
that's the quickest way for inequities to change. But it also is good to know that we have the secret weapon that most people, if they know that it's better for their family and them for other people to be brought up, they'll go that way and not fall into the racially divisive kind of tropes that we're so used to. And I think transit, it's just reminding me in this conversation how transit's an example of it shows up there and the solutions might be there, some of them. The way we're talking about this still, if we're talking about the benefit of transit for like workers in Ipsy to go to Ann Arbor and then selling it on the idea of, well, that's better for people in Ann Arbor. It all reminds me of the different ways that campaigning worked for different parts of the future service area. I remember being in the phone banking and there was one guy He was like, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm selling all these people on the idea that, you know, it's really going to help the economic vitality of the region. And I was like, I'm telling people that they can go to Kroger and that they can go to the library. Like, it's so different. I wasn't even talking about Ann Arbor at all. I was talking about local Ipsy routes. But that's, I think, also something that was interesting about the campaign is you were speaking to multiple different groups and you had to kind of find ways to appeal to everyone in order to get all the votes. And bring all types of people together who can speak on it. And it's the thing about white privilege. He was able to use his white privilege to really communicate what he knew these people wanted to hear, right? We all have different skills. We all have different understandings of our peoples. We all know how to get to the the common goal, right? It's a common thread. Just knowing that is not the dominant message, knowing that we know as as a collective, what the greater whole is, like what Tad is saying. But some of us, that was really cool to watch, but it was also important to name that it wasn't the like principal foundation of how we were moving, right? <laughs> I'm remembering those phone banks as well. <laughs> oh, and like everyone had a piece. Everyone could do something. Like that was also really fun. You can come pick up some signs for the yard and take one to your neighbor. You can come phone bank. You can share something on social media. Like You can like send a text to your friend, like you can door knock, like there was something for everyone to be involved. And that was, I think, important too. Like it was accessible for everybody. And we brought everybody in, like we tried to make sure everyone was in and we treated everyone with respect. The leadership of the coalition was made up of all sorts of people from different walks of life, like women, men working together, treating each other with respect. That's also important in the coalition work too, right? Not just the win, but the way we are working together in process. What was most exciting during the campaign? What we accomplished, like when winning, I felt just so proud of what we were able to do and in riding the buses and just seeing the, the difference that just passing a millage makes. It's just, whoa, I was just proud to be a part of this. I helped make this happen. Just that feeling of pride and accomplishment. I mean, that was my best part of it, I think. It makes a difference. What Kathy said, but also, I met some really good people. The folks on this call included, I think there were just a lot of amazing, it was so cool to have so many different groups and organizations coming together for a common cause. And it was, I'm remembering like the after party, the campaign night party where I was meeting even more people there that I'd only heard of, or I'd seen them on social media or like, it was like, oh yeah, no, I've been wanting to connect with you. And I'm still connected with a lot of those folks. There's a staying power of that community that you built there. One of my funnest memories was door knocking with you, Shoshana. And I think that's the most time we might have ever spent together. It was fun canvassing, good people to talk to, and we were chatting with each other in between. The other thing that for me, the community organizer in me just, it was sort of a big reminder of it always helps to be able to picture what the future is going to be if we're dealing with the right now and all the unpleasant things at any particular issue or at any particular time. And to be able to say, well, this is a case where we really were able to pull a lot of people together that wouldn't have normally been together and accomplish something really meaningful. Like you all are saying too, building the relationships. I don't think I'd met Kathy. I don't remember if we overlapped exactly or when that would have been. Again, it was just the personal relationships and the organizational relationships that happened 
that whether we've used all of those relationships immediately for a next step or not, there's something there that isn't gonna go away and is sort of still waiting to be taken advantage of. And that's what's exciting to me, thinking about the future. I just have this memory of kind of seeing it growing. I remember going to the Heritage Festival and like seeing Marta at the Partners for Transit booth, trying to help out with that. It started getting bigger and bigger. I have very fond memories of hanging out with Marta and kind of like, I don't know, remember sitting on her floor calling it HQ. I was like, okay, what are we doing today? Where are we canvassing today? And I was like, okay, so I got to coordinate with Daniela and Joey. And oh, I love that. And I love hanging out with Daniela and Joey like afterwards. Abe's getting something to eat after all the canvassing. It's like dark out. We just spent our whole evenings doing it. I'm just like, Ah, I love that. It was exciting. It was exciting to do all that because people were excited about it. That's the thing. I mean, of course, I talked to like a handful of people who were against it, but most people were just like excited that this was a possibility. It was like really uplifting to talk to them and it kind of gave you more energy to keep going. So people would be like, they were like, you know, it was like, what do you want? And then they're like, oh, it's for transit. Where do I sign up? I'm thinking, especially from going into ret- retrospect on this call, and I feel like I met Kathy on a couple of P for T calls, but I think that it was a textbook example of how everybody had kind of a different role. Martha, like, just grabbed that bull by the horns. And, you know, I remember her sitting down, she said, you know, can I have a one-on-one with you? And I was like, me? Like, I'm not important. You want to talk to me? Um, and, you know, and Tad, I'm bringing in the We Rock, which had more of an organizational feel, but had so much organization to bring to it working with the folks at the ride themselves. They weren't part of the advocacy, obviously, but they were doing a a lot to just say, hey, vote May 6th, which I remember because I still have a button in the pocket (laughs) on one of my coats that says that. And they were doing that piece of it. You know, I did a lot of media appearances. There were just all these different pieces of it. And anybody could jump in either at a make a couple phone calls level at a share something on social media to all these different ways and different organizations that were part of it. It was cool. Y'all just touched on everything and especially Shoshana with remembering the volunteers. Like I remember I had these young people like Shaz and, you know, his sister, Crystal, Richard, they've recruited kids to come and join and sit at the table with me. And it's like, it was important for them to learn those skills. We were learning together. Like I was learning too. Like, how do you bring coalitions together? How do you target a system that you know, they were really open. Like, I don't remember the president's name. I, I don't even know if that was his title, but he was just such a gentle soul. Um, and Deb was really great too. They helped make it accessible to know what the system is and how it works and listen to the community. And so like, that was really awesome. And Joey was really great to work with. And like, we were just playing around, like we were making videos. We Joey didn't know how to make a video, like didn't know how to edit, but we figured it out. It was just like, so like gritty and like DIY and fun. and getting the donuts and getting the pizza for our volunteers. Like I was just happy doing that. And I just had a like good time. And I know like there was like all these things that we need to do cutting the list. I didn't know how to do that. But like Alexis Blisman, who was my supervisor, like Ecology Center really held it down. Michael Garfield, you know, they just made everything available and like just let us run. And like, sure, they gave us directives and, you know, we're really holding it. It was a really important campaign, but we just got to run with it and have a good time. Thank you, Shush. And like, learn and and do our best and it didn't feel oppressive as a worker to implement it it was really cool that that was one of my favorite campaigns and meeting all of you like and like the interconnectedness that actually we were creating in the campaign was really inspirational for me and I always hold it in my heart as one of the best fights that I was part of and we won and we won. Yeah. And we hosted the celebration at a rad queer space. I forget the name of the book. I was trying to, it was at the out bar. I was like, was it really out at the bar. out bar? It was yeah. at the out bar. They were so supportive too. Like, I don't remember their names, but that couple, was, they were so sweet. And people just really were invested in it politically, you know? So that was really awesome too. A special thank you to Sam Killian for all his work on the Ipsy Stories webpage. We couldn't do it without you, Sam. A special thank you to local musician Annie Palmer for providing music for this podcast. You can check out more of her music at anniepalmermusic.com.
www.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening to Ipsy Stories. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing and telling your friends and neighbors about this podcast. You can subscribe to Ipsy Stories wherever you find your podcasts. You can also explore previous episodes with additional resources at ipsylibrary.org slash ipsystories. If you have ideas or story suggestions, you can get in touch with me at shoshana at ipsylibrary.org. That's S-H-O-S-H-A-N-N-A at Y-P-S-I-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the episode. In our next season's episode, we'll have a conversation with the founders of the Shadow Art Fair, a local social, cultural, and interactive art experience that for many years in the 2000s and 2010s marked the peak of summer in July while providing a warm, community-based secular gathering each winter as well. If you don't want to miss it or other future episodes, you can always subscribe to Ipsy Stories on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and neighbors all about us too. Bye now.